Thanks to everyone for coming out this uh, Sunday evening, Memorial Weekend. Thanks to those who download these uh, talks and listen to them as podcasts from iTunes. And thanks to those who also take our membership class, which is online at our website, utahchristians.org. We couldn't do what we do without your help and support. Everything's inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Today I'd like to talk to you about the strategic steps that God orders in our lives. God is not a random God. He's not vague. He's not approximate. He doesn't think, well, maybe I'll do it like this, or maybe it might be better to do it like that. No, He's precise. He's exact. And just as He strategically uses promotion, good connections, open doors, good breaks to move us to where we need to be, he just as strategically uses adversity, disappointments, and closed doors as well to move us towards our destiny. At the time it's happening, we may not understand it. We think, this couldn't be God. I just lost my job. This couldn't be God. I just lost my biggest client. This couldn't be God. I'm in a huge legal battle. This couldn't be coming from God. My friend turned on me. He stabbed me in the back. No, Krishna would have not allowed it unless he had a purpose for it in your life. He may not have caused it. It may be a karmic reaction from some bad choice we've made in the past, but he still can use it to our advantage. Krishna or God sees the big picture in our lives. He knows what we're going to need a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, even 20 years from now, before we even had the dream, before we even take the steps to carry it out, he already knows what people, what connections, and what breaks to line up for you, even two or three or four or five decades down the line. We read from our scripture, Srimad Bhagavatam, how the world was once overburdened by a race of cannibalistic demons headed up by a big tyrant and atheist named Hiranyakashipu. So the Lord strategically placed one of his devotees inside that race of demons. He caused his great devotee, Prahlad Maharaj, to be born as an innocent small child in an entire race of demons. What had happened was when Hiranyakashipu was off doing austerities to get his great tyrannical mystic powers, Narada Muni, a sage, took Hiranyakashipu's pregnant wife aside to his forest ashram and he read to her the sacred scripture of Srimad Bhagavatam. Now, the lady was not particularly attentive. She was preoccupied with her missing husband. But the child, Prahlad, within the womb was all ears. And he was born as a pure devotee of Krishna, or God, in an entirely demoniac nation. And there was nothing, nothing that agitated his father, Hiranyakashipu, more than hearing people glorify the name of God. As far as he was concerned, he was God and everyone should worship him. So he tolerated absolutely no chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, anywhere in his kingdom. So you can imagine his rage, his frustration when his own son wouldn't or couldn't give up the constant practice of chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna. 
By the way, if you're getting a little agitated at my repetition of the mantra, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Krishna, Krishna, Hari, 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 Rama, Hari, Rama, 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 Hari, Hari. There's a kind of wood, I forget the name of it, in India, which is so hard you cannot cut it down. Every axe handle will break because of the toughness of this wood. But, some or other, if you manage to fashion an axe handle from that particular type of wood, you can cut down the entire forest. The axe handle will not break. So Krishna wanted to insert his own devotee in the race of demons. Now, how do we understand that? He puts a small, innocent child and positions him in such a way that it enrages his father. His father, Hiranyakashipu, got so exasperated at this challenge to his supremacy that he tried in various ways to torture and kill his own son. Now, why would God put an innocent child in that kind of a situation? His own father threw the small five-year-old boy off of a cliff. He administered him poison. He threw him into a pit of vipers. He put him under the feet of a war elephant with the idea of trampling him. He did everything he could to kill his own son. Now, how do we understand that God would expose someone surrendered to him to that kind of danger? But it so happened that Prahlad was the, re the cause, the lever by which the entire world was unburdened by this tyrannical cannibalistic race says that if you want to, if you have a thorn in your leg, you can take another thorn and you can prick that thorn out. So it says that Prahlad was the thorn which extracted the thorn of Hiranyakashipu from the uh, body of the universe. Here's my point in telling this story. We're not always going to understand when something happens. True faith is trusting Krishna or God when it doesn't make sense believing that he's still in control, he's still on the throne, that he's acting strategically and he knows exactly what he's doing. Why did my business go down? Why did my child get into trouble? Why did that relationship not work out? You may never know why, but you can always come back to this core truth that Krishna or God knows what he's doing. His plan for your life is good and even in opposition, he's creating opportunity. Somewhere down the road, it's not going to work against you, but it's going to start working for you. If you don't understand this principle, you're going to live frustrated. Because there are times in God's divine plan, it'll look like you're going in the wrong direction. Your goal is here, but you're facing in the opposite direction. You're back is to your goal. You're moving the wrong way. And this is where faith comes in. Will you trust Him when it seems like you're getting not closer to your goal, but further away from your goal? Will you keep a good attitude when you're praying for increase, but seeing decrease? Will you stay in faith when you get passed over that promotion, even when you are the most qualified person? Friends, God knows what he's doing. He would have never allowed that challenge, that adversity into your life, if it was going to keep you from your destiny. He's too strategic to throw that randomly into your life. It may not seem good at the time, but if you'll keep moving forward, one day 
you'll understand what Krishna was up to. He doesn't always take the most logical way. We'd like to go from A to B to C to D and so on and so on, all the way to Z. That makes sense to us. That seems logical. But he has his own way of doing things, which is not our way of doing things. He may take you from A to B to D. He may thrust you forward to P. He may bring you back to K. He may take you up to S, and then he'll bring you back to L, and then finally he'll get you to Z. If you could see his plan for your life, it wouldn't be linear. It would be with shortcuts, it would be with left turns, right turns, detours, U-turns. There would be periods when you're not going towards your goal, but actually getting more and more distant from your goal. If we could see the plan that Krishna has on our life, our jaw would drop. It's beyond our furthest imagination. We go every once in a while to the Diamond Fork Hot Springs. Anybody went there today? All right. So there's a bridge across the river, but the bridge has gaps, two-inch gaps between the planks, and we generally have llamas with us. So we can't take the llamas across the bridge because they might break a leg. So we have to take the stepping stones and lead the llamas. Of course, the llamas go in the water, but we rather not get our feet wet because it's a long hike and it makes it very unpleasant. So you start out, and there's three or four stepping stones that are in a straight direction to the other bank. But then you turn right, then you go in a different direction, and then you do a U-turn, and then one of them's an inch above, below the water, and one of them's an inch above the water. And at some point, you may actually be on a stepping stone, which is an essential step towards getting to the other side of the river, but you're facing in an entirely different direction. And it's easy to think, when these things happen in our life, these negative things happen in our life, that this is not God's plan. I'm going the wrong way. Why do these things keep happening to me? This is our opportunity to stay in faith. In Krishna's plan, there are curves, there are detours, there are shortcuts. We all want to go to a higher level. We all want to see more of God's favor. But sometimes you have to come off the mountain that you're on and go down into the valley where it's dark, where there's shadows, where there's all kinds of fearful things. You're not forced to come down off your mountain into the valley in order to stay there. It's only a transitional phase. You go through the valley and then you have the opportunity to get to a higher, a steeper mountain, a greater, greater accomplishment. God doesn't want us to take up permanent residence in the valley of defeat, the valley of depression, the valley of setbacks. He just wants us to go through the valley on the way to a bigger and a better destiny for us. Too often we think, Krishna, I'm going backwards. You said higher, I'm going lower. You promised rain, I'm seeing drought. Now don't get discouraged. Krishna is simply bringing you down one mountain so you can go up a higher mountain. He's strategically placing you to experience more of his goodness. If you stay in faith, one day you'll look back and you'll say, it was good I lost my job because that kept me in a limited environment. It was good that person left me because if they hadn't left me, I wouldn't have met the love of my life. It was good I went through that difficulty. It not only made me tougher, it not only made me stronger, but it gave me greater confidence. In the opposition, Krishna was creating opportunity. 
He was positioning me for something greater. We see this at work in our spiritual founder's life, Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada was uh, in the pharmaceutical industry in India, and he wanted to come and spread the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita and Krishna consciousness to the West. But he had family responsibilities. So he thought that he would make as much money as he could, and then when he would get to the West, he would be able to fund temples, cultural centers, and so on and so forth. But he never ended up making any money in his business enterprises. In fact, you can go to Vrindavan. There's a museum there which contains some of Prabhupada's effects. And there's one plaque on a wall, and behind glass, there are the original 40 rupees that Prabhupada brought to America. He didn't bring thousands of dollars. He didn't bring $700,000 or $70,000 or $7,000 or even $700 or $70. But what Krishna sent him off at the age of 70, halfway across the world, was with $7. But the interesting thing is that $7, 40, 40 rupees, he never spent it. He never spent it. Krishna packed his bags. Krishna knew what he needed to be equipped. And then Krishna gave him an extra $7, more than he needed. At one point, after Prabhupada arrived in America, he didn't get any success for a year. He was just living here and there where anyone would let him stay. And he was typing out in an old typewriter the 1,100-page manuscript and commentary of the Bhagavad Gita. One day he was out, it got stolen. Now, he didn't get heartbroken, he didn't get disappointed, he kept in faith, he kept a good attitude, and his disciples came up to him and they said, Prabhupada, you shouldn't have to type everything out two-fingered. We'll get you a dictaphone, and you just say it to the dictaphone and we'll get it transcribed for you. So they went to a pawn shop and they got a dictaphone for $30. But the problem was that his disciples uh, couldn't even tie their own shoes. And they would look at this dictaphone, and scratch their heads and scratch their chins and nobody could figure out what to do with this dictaphone. Interestingly enough, a young college student arrived in their center in New York one day from out of nowhere. He went to one of these New England experimental schools like Groton or something and he had already gotten permission from his teacher that if he worked during the summer semester for a nonprofit, he would get full credit for the course. And he knew how to work a dictaphone, and he could type 100 words a minute. They never saw him before. They never saw him after. But during those three months, they reproduced the Bhagavad Gita, a better version, properly edited, properly proofread, and many, many other manuscripts. And they established the technology by which Prabhupada was going to translate, transcribe, and publish over 80 500-page books of the classic of India devotional life. The interesting thing is if the typewriter and the manuscript had not been stolen, he might not have come to that solution. And they might not have been able to as prolifically produce Prabhupada's books. If you find yourself on a stone headed in the wrong direction, don't get discouraged. Those stones are temporary. The trick is not to focus where you are, not to isolate on one stone, one bad break, one disappointment, one dry season. Don't get bitter or sour. That stone is simply one step in the plan of your life. It's not the final piece. The end of your path is victory, 
dreams fulfilled, promises kept. Now, don't project your future based on one negative stepping stone. Prabhupada kept being his best, honoring God, even when things weren't going his way, and he ended up founding a worldwide spiritual institution called the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which now has 500 branches all over the world. And when Prabhupada first arrived in America, he appealed to help in three different directions. He wrote to his spiritual society, his God brothers, the mission from which he came. He asked them for manpower and support. He also wrote to a rich Indian businessman, and he wrote to the government of India. And he told them, if you'll give me money, if you'll send men, we'll get a cultural center in New York City. These Americans are hankering, they're thirsty for, they're ripe for Indian culture. It will surely be successful. But nobody took him seriously. They wrote him off. They saw him as Don Quixote, riding against the windmills. But Prabhupada kept on, and after being rejected by businessmen, being rejected by the government of India, and being rejected by his own missionary society, he then turned his attention to the hippies, to the bohemians, to the artists and the musicians in the Lower East Side of New York. And I might not be here now if those three rejections, if those three negative stepping stones had not occurred. If he had gotten the support that he asked for, the culture may have never arced over from Indian culture to American culture, and none of us might be where we are now. What 40 years ago when Prabhupada came and taught was then relegated to the lunatic fringe, vegetarianism, chanting, conscious living, mantras, yoga has now become mainstream. And that's how precise Krishna was, looking 40 years down the road. Nothing randomly happens. Krishna is lining up the right people, the right breaks. If Prabhupada's God brothers had supported him, we would have had a totally different outcome. They thought they were writing him off, but really they were writing him into the pages of history. They thought they were pushing him down, but really they were pushing him up. Sometimes it may seem like you're standing on a stone facing in the wrong direction. Don't lose sleep over it. At some point, you're going to step past the stone of being rejected, past the stone of being lied about, past the stone of a bad break, of a disappointment, of a closed door. Like Prabhupada, if you stay in faith, you will step into promotion, into favor, into increase into new levels of your destiny. My challenge is don't get stuck on one of those negative stepping stones. Well, someone says, true, if God is so good, why are there stepping stones in my life in my first place? Why did my child get off course? Why am I struggling at work? These are simply tests. Krishna strategically placed you there. He would have never allowed it if you couldn't handle it. I don't know what challenges you're facing in your life, and I guess that to you, some of them look formidable, but let me tell you that they're no match for you. You're well-equipped. 
your sons and daughters of the Almighty Lord who created millions and millions and millions of universes. And if your purposes are lined up with his purposes, you're going to have his wind behind your sails. You're going to have strength for every battle and you're going to be equipped for every challenge. Now, don't complain. Dig your heels in. Have the attitude I'm in it to win it. I'm not going to let this critic, this person leaving, this rejection, this closed door cause me to become sour. I know it's part of Krishna's plan and he strategically placed it there to grow me and to promote me. You have that kind of attitude, you may go down, but you're not going to stay down. You're going to have bounce back mentality. You may be challenged, but you're never going to be defeated. You'll come into victory, coming in the fullness of your destiny. People can't stop it. The bad economy can't stop it. The government can't stop it. Nothing can stop what God has strategically ordered for your life. Think of all the stepping stones in Prabhupada's life. When he was a baby, his parents brought in an astrologer. They looked at his signs and they said, this man will be world famous. He'll start a great movement for honoring God. He will have his disposal vast resources and vast manpower. But when Prabhupada came into young adulthood, his father got him married. And the woman that his father chose for him didn't have any sort of a missionary spirit at all. Negative stepping stone. He had children by that wife, and they also were not particularly spiritually inclined. Negative stepping stone. He tried to earn money in his business to fund his future missionary efforts, and it all came to naught. Meanwhile, while Prabhupada was spending the best years of his life, the strongest years of his life, in all these familial pursuits, there were other God-brothers who were preaching vigorously all over India, dedicating their youth and their strength and their connections to the mission. Looked like they were catching the wave and Prabhupada was missing it. So in his late 50s, Prabhupada could easily have gotten discouraged, easily have gotten disappointed, he could have said, this is a pattern, nothing I do turns out, I'm not getting the breaks, maybe I missed it, maybe I misunderstood, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to do. But he didn't look at things that way. He knew that the same God who seemed to be holding him back for 65, 70 years of his life with a single puff of his favor could thrust Prabhupada explosively forward Krishna is directing our steps, not just when things are going our way, not just when we're getting promotions, not just when people are being good to us, but even when doors are closed, when people are not nice to us, those stones are still strategically placed in your life by God. My question is, will you trust Him even when you don't understand? Will you trust him and put your destiny in his hands, knowing that he could turn everything around with a single glance, with a single puff of his breath? Don't be discouraged by what you're going through. Your time is coming. Where you are is not where you're supposed to stay. He put you in the valley only to pass through it to come up to a higher mountain. Prabhupada said of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, he prophesied back in the 60s, he said, first people will laugh at you. They will ridicule you. 
Then they will criticize you. Then they will try to stop you. And then they will love you. If you keep passing the tests, being the best, being good to people, even when people aren't good to you, you'll come out vindicated. You'll come out promoted, increased, stronger, healthier, happier, and greatly blessed. I want to share this article. Someone sent it to me. It was published on May 1st, just a few days ago, in an online magazine called Detail Magazine. Nearly 50 years after Srila Prabhupada journeyed from India to America to bring the teachings of Krishna to a generation of Western burnouts, Hare Krishnas have moved out of the airports, out of the streets, and into the cubicle right next to yours. The sex once exotic sounding core practices of mindfulness and vegetarianism, the very beliefs that early on relegated to the freak aisle, have spread virally, turning America into a postmodern ashram. We don't plant our dead in the ground, we feed their ashes to the cosmos. We seek out veggie burgers and lie to ourselves about the deliciousness of kale. while contorting our bodies into wordless physical devotionals. Yes, Christianity and Islam may have the numbers, but Hare Krishna, the little sect that could, is winning the culture war. Srila Prabhupada's initial foray into America was time to capitalize on the rise of the counterculture. But a few generations of disillusionment and religious scandal later, Almost one in five Americans identifies themselves as spiritual but not religious, leaving the window to our souls cracked open just wide enough for something as user-friendly as Hare Krishna to slip through, unburdened of its baggage of airport proselytizing and scrubbed of its patchouli stink. One more paragraph. Every religion started out as a cult, said Douglas Atkin, author of The Culting of Brands. Quote, there's a new idea, it gets some followers, and gradually it changes the culture in its own image. But you have to be different enough for people to buy into while still managing to become slightly less different as you grow. And I left in this part, I wouldn't include this part if I was giving this talk in California or Pennsylvania, but I left in this part here, very much apropos to where we are. Atkins cites Mormonism as the gold standard for a heretofore outsider sect that made the leap to the masses. Less than two centuries after having been founded on sacred underwear, polygamy, and mysterious golden plates buried underground, Mormonism gave us a presidential candidate who won the votes of 61 million Americans. Considering Hare Krishna's relatively recent arrival in America, the extent of its infiltration is impressive. The religion hasn't succeeded yet, Atkins says, but their ideas have. Don't get discouraged, this is our message today, by the problem. The problem is part of the process of fulfilling the promise. God is not just going to bring you out 
of that problem, that difficulty, but he's going to bring you out better than you were before. If you keep moving forward after the hardship, after the difficulty, after the breakup, after the bankruptcy, after the disappointment, there will be great joy, there will be great opportunities, there will be great relationships. Every setback is not the enemy. What are stumbling blocks to some are stepping stones to others. If that disappointment, if that setback had no purpose, God wouldn't have allowed it in your life in the first place. I want to share with you just a short quote from Arthur Murray, the great religious writer. He says, first, God brought me here. It is by his will that I am in this place. In that fact, I will rest. Second, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. Third, he will make my trials blessings, teaching me the lessons he intends to teach me and working in me the grace he means to bestow. And lastly, in his good time, when he's ready, not a day too soon, not a day too late, he will bring me back, back home, back to Godhead. So summarizing, let me say that I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training for his period of time. You wouldn't be who you are or where you are today without the difficult times. That opposition was creating opportunity for you. God was developing you. He was positioning you. It may not make sense. You may not understand it, but that's what faith is all about. Some of you are living frustrated, upset because of what someone said, because of what didn't work out. Come back to that place of peace. Take it as a strategic stepping stone, not a stumbling block. I challenge you today to be excited about the afterwards, after the difficulty, after the storm, after the disappointment. If you stay in faith, keep a good attitude, there'll be great joy, there'll be great health, great relations, great opportunities, great abundance, all that and more coming your way in this life and after this life of tests and trials, you'll go back home, back to Godhead, where life is eternal, full of bliss and knowledge.